Amen. Thank you, New Life Church, for such a warm welcome. It's good to be here. It's good to be in Presswick. The sun always shines in Presswick. I was just going to turn right at the roundabout instead of the left and have a day in the beach. But I thought, no, I should go to church. I should be amongst the wonderful people of New Life Wonderful you are because you are in Christ Jesus. And one of his names is Wonderful. So what does that make you and I? Decidedly average? (laughs) Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. We're in a privileged position this morning to be living in Christ Jesus. And we are going to have a productive hour together in the Holy Spirit. This has been an interesting year. Goodness. A couple of wars blazing. One in Eastern Europe, one in the Middle East. All kinds of other minor crises running across the country. A general election looming. All kinds of shaking in the Scottish Parliament. And a heart cry in the nation for truth. For truth, for authenticity. A heart cry in the nation for spiritual reality that we hear in all its confused shapes and guises coming through popular culture. This week saw the release of the final Beatles single. <laughs> See, you thought I was going to say something spiritual there. You're going, oh, this guy's really spiritual. Whoa. But you know what? We're still believing for a final outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Before the Lord Jesus returns, this world has not seen the last of the Christ child. He will return not as the Christ child, but the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are not a Christian memorial society. We are men and women called to live in the cutting edge of the kingdom of heaven. And that should be our prayers and our walk with God Keep me at a place of living in a cutting edge relationship with you. Even if there's more dying in your life right now than coming alive in your life right now, cycles of personal death are indeed a harbinger to a new season of resurrection life. We have an expression in Gateway, it's all good. We do life with its ups and downs together. But amongst the leaders and the staff, we say, as a sign-off, it's all good. It's all good. Because all we are going through in this life is in Christ Jesus. Which means it is all good. This isn't the sermon. (laughs) This is a warm-up. This is a time for you and I to bond again. We're bond again Christians. Hallelujah. 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 Well, I guess we should do some Bible. Who's up for doing some Bible? Amen. Hands in the air, you bibliophiles. Amen, amen, amen. Yep, I believe the Bible is the Word of God. Guilty as charged. Not just another holy book written by men who were men of goodwill, but the Word of God. It's no accident that in every outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there's great preaching, great preaching of the Word of God. 
It's a hallmark of a genuine move of the Holy Spirit when there's great preaching of the Word of God. If you have a Bible, please turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, and we will read from verse 4 to 10. I'm reading the New International Version. Nearly infallible version, or if you're across the water, the Northern Ireland Version. First Peter 2 verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone... Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This morning I have a brief message on the theme of community. The absolute prerequisite of kingdom life is we share that in a strong community. And we are called to be a people of community, a people living in community. The problem of modern culture is simply there's no universal truth. My truth is my truth and your truth is your truth this is right for me, this is wrong for me. No wonder our society is divided. Living in an era where everyone lives out their personal truth is a community killer. Because more often than not, when people decide to live out their personal truth that's based on self, self-interest, and selfishness, it hurts people in their community. We've all been aware of people in their own communities, workplace, family, yes, even church, 
who have made very selfish and destructive choices and have hurt many in the process. So no wonder community is unraveling and falling apart in our generation. This morning's portion of Scripture helped us nudge gently into a community mindset. Being men and women of community should be a priority in our lives. We grow in Christ-likeness through our local churches that offer a learning community and a relational community. You can't have one without the other. If it's only a learning community with no relational community, then your experience in the kingdom will be dry and sterile. You will have a head full of facts, but not a heart full of revelation. For revelation truth is something that's confirmed in community. The revelation truth we carry is designed to benefit other people in this community of saints. The overlap between a learning community and a relational community is where we are called to serve God. For it's people in the wider community that recognize the calling on our lives. Scott led us into worship this morning, but once upon a long ago, Scott, someone had to recognize you had a gift to lead the saints into a season of worship. Someone in community said, this boy will go far. This boy will go far. In reality, our futures are in the hearts of other people. Other people that we find in community that are put into our lives by God that recognize and further the calling of the Lord on our lives. Community affirms us. Community gives us a sense of being loved and a sense of belonging. Indeed, in the kingdom of heaven, every community is called to be our Christian family. So as we inch our way through the scriptures this morning and lay a foundation that will help us get into practical application of what it means to be a community in a community-less nation in 2023 Scotland, then we can reassured that nothing you will hear this morning depends on self-effort. Nothing you hear this morning will be driven by soulish desire, but will come under the umbrella term, the plans and purposes of God for new life, for you, for I, for Presswick, and for the regions beyond an Ayrshire. We read in 1 Peter 2, verse 4 and 5a, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You are like stones, are being built into a spiritual house. This is incredible because it takes us into the realm of the unseen. In the realm of the unseen, 
we are like stones being built into a spiritual house. And it all filters down to who you are in New Life Presswick or the fellowship that you attend. In fact, before the Lord says, this is what I'm going to do through you, he gives us very powerful marks of identification. In 1 Peter 2 verse 9, he declared, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. I love the message Bible. I love the message Bible interpretation of that last point we read this morning, God's special possession. The message Bible says we are God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. The present age is an age of intense loneliness and isolation. There will be at least 20% of the congregation here today that will be very aware of the loneliness they're carrying in their life, the isolation they're carrying in their lives. Yet the Lord affirms you this morning as chosen by him, a royal priesthood. You may feel like no one out there gets you, no one out there understands you. But the Lord moves alongside you today and says, you are Christian royalty. You are Christian royalty and part of my holy nation. A holy nation of the spirit that transcends the physical nations of this world. Yes, we are born into an ethnicity. I was born in Glasgow in the 1950s. I just made the 1950s and no more I speak with a Glasgow accent some of you may have noticed some of you may have one too there's a few suspects out there because I know you from Glasgow yes we have ethnic origins but in the realm of the spirit we are one holy nation under God under the Lord Jesus Christ and his governance. How can we be anything other than relational when we are in relationship with God? That we have made peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's more than just being on talking terms with God. The reality is we're in a place of intimacy with God because we are in Christ Jesus. Life is life and throws us a few curveballs along the way. We know seasons of brokenness, seasons of joy, seasons of victory and breakthrough, seasons of struggle. The human psyche does sorely desire to isolate in difficult seasons. Many saints detached from local church in difficult seasons. I will come back, pastor, when things have improved in my life. Reality is when things are not going well in our life, we need to be in church. We really need to be in church. 
We're not necessarily looking for a quick fix. We're not necessarily looking at investing ourselves deeply in the lives of others. But this powerful conversations take place in church. They become under the headline of incidental conversations. We have them in the way into church. We have them in the way out of church. We have them sipping over a cup of coffee. And sometimes we find ourselves having an incidental conversation with a stranger. It only lasts a couple of minutes, two or three minutes. But what they say to us, not knowing what they're saying, not knowing the meaning and the impact of what they're communicating can be life-affirming, can be life-changing. I came out of an addiction background. I was delivered in July 1983 from alcoholism. My first church was Alcoholics Anonymous. It's the only church that would have me. In truth, I had a lot of growing up to do in basic terms before I was ready for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus had to minister into the roots of who I was as an individual to begin a process of maturing me. And for two or three years before I get properly established in the body of Christ, I lived on the kindness of strangers. Alcoholism is a great friendship remover. You usually end your journey in alcoholism friendless, financially broke, mentally and physically ill, all sorts of other negatives. And looking back, the Lord led people to me that were strangers and ministered Christ Jesus to me. Even people outside the kingdom of heaven, but men of goodwill, men of what I would describe as big-spirited men, came alongside me and ministered kindness. So in the realm of the community, in the realm of our relational spheres, in our church community, here in New Life, be aware, good things are coming to get you. If you're feeling paranoid this morning and think everybody's out to get me, have you ever thought that before? Put your hands down, it's only a joke. Stop that right now. Have you ever thought everyone's out to get me? How about everyone's out to bless me? Whew. That's an attitude changer, walking into new life every Sunday and saying, everybody's out to bless me. I wonder if it's him wonder if it's her. I saw the coffee maker smiling at me. Cappuccino, please. You don't have a kebab machine in the back, do you? Everybody's out to bless me. Our attitudes get exposed in community. Good attitudes, bad attitudes, neutral attitudes. There's no hiding in community. There's no hiding in church community. Because I've been part of lots of social groups over my lifespan. But there's no other community I know on earth that's more observant than a church community. Because people see you and I through the eyes of Jesus in a church community. He burdens people to pray for you and I. And we're not even aware of it. 
He leads people to do very simple acts of kindness for you and I in community. Not only that, he leads us in the same way to do things for others, even strangers. From this moment on, be aware of compassion levels that build up in your spirit when you're talking to a stranger. Compassion is often the signature theology of God in action. God in action, driven by compassion, meeting human needs. C.S. Lewis was a rather remarkable gentleman, a real Oxford don, 10-pound brain, an egghead. He had good things to say. He said, men are mirrors or carriers of Christ to other men. Men and women are mirrors or carriers of Christ to other men and women. Which means for you and I in community, there's times we are reflecting Christ Jesus and carrying Christ Jesus. In our daily activities, in the workplace, in our wider family, any other social groups we belong to, political parties we belong to. Does anyone belong to a political party here? Keep your hand down. Unless you're a liberal Democrat, (laughs) then we'll all laugh at you. No offense to the liberal Democrats. They're very nice people indeed. Very, very nice people indeed. But we are mirrors of Christ Jesus. In our darkest day, we're still mirrors of Christ Jesus. We're carriers of the presence of Christ Jesus. And when we gather as a church, when we relate to one another, then Romans 12, 5 gives us foundational thinking. Foundational thinking that gives our times together special significance. So in Christ, and we are in Christ, we who are many, and there's many in Christ Jesus here today, form one body, and each member, here's a good bit, each member, each member belongs to all the others. Another rather splendid gentleman, John Wesley. He said, Jesus gave us more than himself. He gave us each other. You're a gift to the people in this church. It's unrealistic to expect you to be close friends with everybody in the church. But you're a gift to the relationship circle of new life. You should have your own friendship group within new life. We need both. A general relationship circle and our personal friendship group. We need both. If you're only living in one, there's a problem. Maybe it's your first service. You're absolved from any responsibility. (laughs) But you're a gift to that relationship circle. You're a gift to your relationship group. Our friendship group is made up of men and women who really love us and see things about you and I we cannot see 
in ourselves. They identify callings. They identify callings, even when we're very young Christians. I was part of a Christian friendship group in the mid-1980s in Glasgow, and they saw things about me. You're called to preach, Shalyn. What am I called to preach? The Bible. What's the Bible? Many recognized the calling on my life. Many people understood in my friendship group the brokenness I was dealing with coming out of addiction. But as much as we emphasize community this morning, God knows nothing of solitary Christianity. The scriptures refuse to believe that there could be such a thing as an unchurched Christian. You might find yourself unchurched in the season, and you're here today as a visitor. There may be very good reasons why you are suddenly unchurched. But you know what? My prayer is you find a new church family very, very quickly. For in 1 Peter 2, 5b, the Word of God declares we are being built into spiritual houses. Individually, we're living stones. Collectively, we're a spiritual house. And isolation is never a friend. Generally, people fear banishment or exile. Solitary confinement is the worst form of incarceration in our prison system. This morning, we're dealing with some of the nitty-gritty of what it means to be in community. It's not all lollipop and roses. It really isn't. Sometimes the very painful seasons in community, especially if relationships start to disintegrate and there's an element of division in the process. So for you and I as people determined to progress in our walk with Christ Jesus, a pivotal question when we discern where we're really at in community is simply the desire to feel understood by at least one other person. When you feel understood by at least one person, it leads to development in your life and my life. A nitty-gritty question this morning is, who gets you? Who really gets you? You should know who that is immediately. You should see their faces immediately. Because when you sit down with someone who gets you, there's an illumination in your spirit. They get you, they accept you, they overlook the cruddy history, they overlook the negatives in your personality. And when we flip that question over on the other side, who do you struggle to understand? Let's bring it right down to new life this morning. Who do you struggle to understand? You've tried to move alongside them. You've tried to have a more meaningful conversation. It seems like they've been offhand with you or there's been a rebuttal or whatever your inner thoughts are, whatever your inner thoughts are as they gravitate around the question, who do you struggle to understand? 
then it helps us. It helps us be willing to wrestle with what it means to be in community. It's a journey, but we are not alone in our journey because new life, indeed our salvation, came out of a conversation from eternity's past between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They had a conversation. In fact, they've never stopped talking to one another. They had a conversation and then entered into something theologians call the eternal covenant. The Father had the vision. Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for the vision, and the Holy Spirit brings it into being in people's lives today. Out of the eternal covenant, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit said, there'll be a time we'll plant a church in Presswick and we'll call it New Life. We'll call Jim and Kathy to pastor that church. We'll call Bill. We'll call Fred. We'll call, and all the names that constitute the people here this morning took place. We're, we're indeed ventilated between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in time, this church was planted. And in time, you came to faith in Jesus. Just when we thought we were really getting our act together, the best decision I've ever made in my life, Jesus came up alongside you and I and said, you did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Good point, my wonderful Savior. And here we are in community, in New Life Church. But this is not a community built on human endeavors. For Ephesians 2.20 reveals that Christ Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. He is the cornerstone of New Life Church. He is the cornerstone of your friendship group that you interact with in New Life. And he is the cornerstone of the wider relationship circle. So as we seek to end this brief message the Lord being our cornerstone, which means we don't have to try at all. It's all about him. It's nothing to do with us. It's not a joint venture. It's not a case of we do so much and then God does so much. He just simply gives you and I a heart for one another. And we recognize the wider relationship circle and begin to identify our friendships. I have a theology that I think is reasonably watertight. We don't choose our friends. We really do not choose our friends. God chooses our friends. And then all we have to do is discover them. That's a good venture in life, discovering our God-ordained friendships. When God wants to bless your life, he sends a person into your life. When the enemy wants to destroy your life, he sends a person into your life. Have you ever known a person come into your life that seemed to be a-okay? Sparkling humor, charisma, he is a cool dude. 
and you trusted without discerning. And before you knew what was going on, there was all kinds of carnage taking place in your life. We live in a world, the real world, where we are caught at times in between two kingdoms. The ongoing progressive march of the kingdom of heaven and the opposition that comes naturally from the kingdom of darkness. It's a good place to live in between two kingdoms because it proves we really belong to God. If we're not at that place of interfacing between two kingdoms, then we might be in opposition to God. It's a scary thought that many believe that when they pass away, they will be okay with God because of some loose church affiliation and essentially, I'm a good person. Many people breathe the lust in Ayrshire with that as a core belief, with a terrible trauma about to await them. So in community, as I finish up, this brief message. We are living stones being shaped and formed by the Lord to fit more easily into each other's lives. You're not called to fit into everybody's life, just some people, but you're called to be part of the wall of living stones within your life. Burnt stones have been through fire. Well, they've been shaped and formed in fire that enables them to fit into lots of people's lives, even for a short time. Burnt stones in the kingdom of heaven are the stones the Lord trusts the most because they have been through fire. First Peter 2, verse 9, we can be reassured that we are God's special possession. Not just a random group of believers getting together on a Sunday morning, but God's special possession. And we find a place on the wall of New Life Christian Fellowship. We belong on that wall. We fit in that, on that wall. We interact easily with people on that wall. And there are some lives we fit perfectly into on that wall. But in community, the Holy Spirit is always working through the human dimension. This is the church full of human beings today. But there's more to us than meets the eye. But as we get ready to have some coffee after the service, catch up with one another, we will in, engage through the human dimension. And in church life, we are more than familiar with the human dimension. It can be punctuated by bouts of carnality. There can be carnal moments in church life. There can be carnal moments in your life and my life. And afterwards, it can leave us feeling dreadful. Evidence of carnality in church life is actually a positive because it's the Lord saying, this is what I'm bringing to the surface in this person's life. And it means we're going to deal with this and they have the potential to become 
absolutely brilliant in Christ Jesus. But nevertheless, carnality is something that will always come from our flesh. Our flesh likes carnality. We're not two natures. We're one new man in Christ Jesus. But there is carnality in the denizens of our body somewhere that the scripture recognizes as flesh. And when we attempted and after a bout of carnality to become self-righteous and go, well, I remember someone in the church behaving much worse than I did. <clears throat> we can take great comfort from the truth that we're worse than we think. We've never had the opportunity, and praise God for that, to discover what terrible acts we're really capable of. We are worse than we think, but we're more loved than we can imagine. More loved than we can imagine. <clears throat> I spend a lot of time in the USA. I've been going to that great nation for 24 years. It really is my second home country. Um, America has invested much in me in terms of development in terms of community, friendships. It's been an incredible nation. But if you sail over the Atlantic and come into the harbor in Manhattan, you will see the Statue of Liberty there. Quite a lady with a torch towering above the, <clears throat> the sea, towering above the water in Manhattan Harbor. And for many immigrants coming to America, especially in the 18th, 19th, and 20th century, they sail from Europe into that harbor in Manhattan and looked up at the Statue of Liberty that, stood, that stands on Ellis Island. And they were admitted to the USA, often liberated from oppressive governments, opposition to the faith, poverty, lack of opportunity, all kinds of negatives in their nation of origin. And they were admitted to the United States of America. But I've often felt that on the other side of the nation, in San Francisco Bay, there should be another statue, a statue of responsibility once admitted to the USA by the Statue of Liberty, then they have to look up at the Statue of Responsibility and acknowledge, I have to work hard. I have to pay taxes. Don't we love paying taxes? I have to look after my family. Now we are immigrants in a new land. And embrace the fact that with liberty comes responsibility. Walking the pathway of community in local church is challenging. It isn't easy. It's not designed to be easy. It's designed to grow Christ Jesus in you and I. At least one of you this morning sitting in this church will feel like walking over to another member and punching them in the back of the head. Is it only Glasgow we think like that? Perhaps, perhaps. Glaswegians are not known for the tact and diplomacy. It's not designed to be easy, 
It's designed to grow Christ Jesus in us. I believe as you come in the door of new life, there should be a statue of liberty crying out for those who are broken in Ayrshire, who are sick, who have been bound in sin, who see no future, to look at that statue of liberty and come to faith in Jesus Christ. But likewise, looking over at another statue, adjacent to the statue of liberty, the statue of responsibility, but I will follow the ways of the Lord. I will be obedient to the Lord. I will be a man or woman of the word of God. I will love the church, even when relationships are difficult. I will support the vision of the church. And the balance between liberty and responsibility means the outcome is Christ-likeness. Guarantees the outcome of Christ-likeness. We need to abolish the notion of consumer church. I drive in on a Sunday, I sing the hymns, I listen to the sermon, I give a few bob on the offering if I feel so inclined, and then I'll see you next Sunday. I've been a good consumer of church. I've been a good consumer of God. I believe that we are called to model community, to the eroding, the eroding nature of community, and wider Ayrshire. We are modeling something good. We are modeling something of the kingdom. There are men and women in Ayrshire this morning, all alone and isolated, that have not had a meaningful conversation with anybody for months. New life is the solution to that problem. You are the solution to that problem as a living stone. Help them come to faith in Jesus. Help them find a place on the wall of the church where they can fit into other living stones. The eternal covenant that came out of a conversation between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit still continues today. And we can have faith and hope for the future because Christ Jesus is the cornerstone of new life. And guiding the fellowship, speaking to the fellowship, confirming in the fellowship something of his purposes and plans for the present and for the future. Because church, you're a fellowship of the present and the future. The past is gone. Every morning when we wake up, we lose another chunk of our past. It's present, future reality that emanates out of a conversation between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit now and being advocated, being administrated through the CEO of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. God bless you, you wonderful community. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.